0: Hey, one quick note. Make sure you listen all the way to the end of today's episode because we're introducing a brand new weekly segment. And now, today's show. Aubrey Plaza.
1: <laughs> Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza. Plaza.
2: <laughs> uh, can we get sound effects in here? Can we do an air horn? pew, Come... pew. pew, pew. Ah!
0: My name is John Severn Napolillo. I'm joined as always by my co-host Jamie Fry. Yo, what up? What up, Jamie? And uh, our guest today, uh, a dear, dear friend of ours who I believe Jamie has referred to in the past as our music industry insider friend. Uh he's currently <laughs> I think it's nicer than what I said. <laughs> That is a lot nicer than what just said. <laughs> he's uh, he's currently at AWOL, formerly of Secretly Group, Ilya Zinger. Welcome to What Is Goat. Hello. How Yo, you doing? What up? You made me sound like a Game of Thrones character. Everyone <laughs> says that. Everyone feels like their uh, their credits are not worth anything, but they truly are. <laughs> we have invited you here today to take on the first artist that we will be speaking about that qualifies as a millennial artist. We're talking about Drake. You know. We don't need to explain to people why Queen are legendary. These are huge legacy bands that people know. Drake's still very much current. So, just to put that in the framework of legendary status, he has the most charted songs, 186, among solo artists in the history of the Billboard Hot 100. The most simultaneously charted Hot 100 songs in a single week, 27. The most time on the Hot 100. The most Hot 100 debuts in a single week, as well. These are all absolutely legendary, record-breaking things, and to have it be an artist that has only been around for about a decade is is pretty wild.
2: You know, we are all Edward Armero alumni, and he is a DeGrassi alumni. So just, <laughs> just, <laughs> she just went to DeGrassi. He, he went to DeGrassi
0: High. I mean, you know, Jamie, Drake, but... would you consider yourself a Drake fan? Well. <laughs>
1: Let's give a preface. All three of us are from Brooklyn, New York. New York City is the birthplace of hip-hop. I think that hip-hop is one of the greatest American inventions of the 20th century. The idea that I personally would like a Canadian millennial hip-hop artist is already kind of a stretch. I love hip-hop, but I have a huge disconnect with the millennial take on it, I'll just give that as a preface. Also, I kind of think analogous to something like seminal, like the Wu Tang Clan, or Public Enemy, or Nas, uh, Drake would maybe be like the Bare Naked Ladies equivalent, <laughs> the Canadian contribution. I think contribution. this is a roundabout way of saying you're not a Drake fan. <laughs> I think that there are moments in Drake that I don't hate. I think the idea that he is the major artist of the last 10 years, which everything you said points to that, it just confirms my suspicions that I'm absolutely out of touch. <laughs> Jamie's going to be the old head today. Yes, I, am, <laughs> I will t- be sitting in grandpa's chair. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> S- luckily, we have a young, sprightly <laughs> millennial here with us. Only 36 days older than Aubrey
2: drake Graham.
0: <laughs> We're all a bunch of oldies, but Ilya Zinger is here because he's young at heart. And he is a Drake fan, correct?
2: I love Drake as much as I hate Jamie's opinion of Drake. (laughs) I I will say that um, a year ago, I would have gotten a text from one John (laughs) Napololo being like, yo, this new Drake song, nice for what? Is it good or am I just crazy? Am I like, like you, you asked me something like, am I, am I allowed to like this? Like, can I bump this? Like, this is really, I think this is really good. And I was like, yes, John, it's okay. You can.
0: I love Nice for What. Yeah. yeah. I will absolutely. It was my absolute number one favorite song of last yeah. year. Yeah. If
2: I felt like I was selling you
0: meth or something. Yeah. I I, I don't know if you could hear my voice. I'm still coming to grips with this realization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was hard. It was difficult. Um, I think part of that is because of the early parts of Drake's career that I found so unlistenable (laughs) the first couple of records i would go more towards what jamie was saying so at odds with my sensibility of what i loved about never mind even hip-hop but also pop music yeah we can
2: treat this as group therapy and you guys can pay me if you want i'll take money uh we'll we'll work through all of your problems here with drake and actually i like drake even before he was Drake. I, I love Degrassi. I don't know if either of you guys watched Degrassi. It was a great It was a great and interesting show. I did have trouble first. I was like, this is Jimmy? Jimmy in a wheelchair? It was it's undeniable to me even if you don't like the content of what he's uh, of his music it is undeniable that he is incredibly talented he can clearly like be able to tell a story or be vulnerable or really be able to express his feelings even if his feelings were stupid sometimes and and still are sometimes and i i do think he's sort of a generational artist we may think of artists as putting out Albums or EPs or even just singles, um, and that he sort of like straddles the line there. You can call them albums, but they're not always. They're not necessarily like. They're not always like the most cohesive things, and uh, we want something packaged in a certain thing. Yeah, and that is a not
1: record that you like. <laughs> when no, you no, listen no, 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 the whole Man, record. Uh,
2: I would you say that like every record you listen to, you like every song on it?
1: No, but <laughs> yeah. I I hear like a philosophizing. something that's flawed from the beginning which is that the idea that the output that is considered the best is not someone who is able to make a whole record that you like i think it changes the thought process
0: whether you're judging this from a place of hip-hop history which jamie you've already sort of mentioned and there's obviously a strong legacy of incredibly coherent albums even concept records within hip-hop that are legendary but if we think about Drake more as a pop artist and you think about the big big pop artists even just of our childhood I I I bet you couldn't name a Britney Spears song that's not a single I bet you couldn't name a Spice Girl song that wasn't a single I certainly can't but those songs live in infamy and those artists live in infamy because of those singles and again I'm caught in the middle because I still like albums I remember when when Scorpion came out last year I was at a poker game with Zinger, and I was telling him that I was pretty disappointed because I loved "Nice for What." I liked God's Plan. I thought the the uh, advanced singles were strong pop hits. You hear this stuff on the radio, and you're psyched. But the album, not only is the album not good, not only is Scorpion have tons of filler. It's a double album. There's nothing more painful than something that would have even been bloated as a single album is now a double album. And you know what Zinger said to me? He said, you're old and people don't care about albums anymore. And he's right. They, they This is not... The album format is something that we care about, that we grew up with, and we may be the last generation to grow up with that. Our parents did, and maybe even some of our grandparents did. But that is no longer the case in the year 2019
1: i mean you're just describing late capitalism here i mean drake introduces some good music to get you to buy a record once you've bought the record you learn that there's no more good music on it
0: (laughs) zinger do you think there is a perfect or if not perfect an overall great drake album front to back um
2: i mean all of them Um, I, I don't listen to them. Like I don't really don't listen to them as albums.
0: So, so so then like describe then the difference in, in your listening process.
2: It's just like, Oh, a new single came out. I'm going to listen to it. I'm going to, it's going to be like on a playlist and I'll just like listen to it again and again and Mm -hmm. again and again. Um, I'll like play an album, but I'll shuffle it. You know what I mean? Or like I'm not listening or I'll listen to it like a regular album but I'm not expecting the same. I'm not like thinking about it like side A, side B or whatever. I'm going to go through the tracks and they're going to tell the story. I'm just listening to it and be like, ooh, Marvin's Room. Fuck yeah. I love that fucking song. You know, like like that's that's how I'm listening to him. I don't, uh, when I said to you that like you're old and albums don't matter, that was a little like, that was, I was a little too quick to say that. that <laughs> I, 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 don't, I Well, also like, you know, uh, like, Fuck both of you. I do love albums. You know, like <laughs> I grew up with albums. I've I've worked on albums. Like I, I I understand. But like it's okay to like let go of some of that. I think, and I think Drake allows you to do that, where you don't have to sit there and be like, uh, you know, I'm in my ivory tower and I will not come down. And it's like, no, it's okay. You can come down. It'll be fine. And then you can go back up. Like <laughs> you you'll be all right. Like you can enjoy both. And like one is not one is not emblematic of like the death of of music or something like that, or the death of good music. Um, Because I, I I do think you can make an argument on the other side and say like, there's plenty of shit and filler from the eras that we love. Sometimes from
0: the musicians that we love. Sure. You
2: know, we don't sit, sit around and and judge them the same way.
0: But I think also Drake is, has literally kind of come out as saying, even when he does, even though he will put out albums here and there, he will put out tons of things that aren't technically albums because he really doesn't have, as much interest in that. He'll put out lots of EPs, lots of singles. He had uh, more life he called a playlist because for whatever reason, he doesn't have the same interest in that that a lot of musicians do in terms of just the
1: strictly album release cycle. It's very millennial. He, He has a new take on the way to put out music is what you're saying is that he's not, his concerns as someone exactly our age are not the same as the previous generation he is definitely one of the biggest artists in the world so he you know he does get to sort of
2: dictate how he puts out an album or or a single or anything like that and you know the realities of like the economics for him too is he's not thinking about like how do i make lps how do i make like physical vinyl he's thinking about like when's my tour when am i booking it when am i playing shows he's playing shows to you know 50,000 people in in you know 40 different markets or whatever it's easy to criticize him like that, as if like he's lazy or he's quick, or like he has the issue that millennials want instant gratification or whatever. um I think he does everything in an interesting way.
1: I mean, listen, uh, some of my favorite acts in music are singles acts, basically. I mean, the Supremes are a single group, and I think they're the best group. I think, uh and I like their album tracks too, but it's not about that. And I understand that. And there's like plenty of, uh, you know, I love singles. I love hits. That's my favorite part of music is hits. Probably even more than records. I love hits. No one loves hits more than me. I don't love any of his hits.
2: (laughs) You put a red tie. No one loves. No one loves (laughs) hits
1: more than me. I (laughs) love hits. I love Drake. Fuck his hits. Well, I'm saying (laughs) those aren't hits. Well, something that occurred to me while I was boning up on Drake (laughs) is that I've heard a lot of these songs before, even though I've never tried to listen to Drake. Like I absorb contemporary music in a very specific way. I take a lot of Ubers and Lyfts (laughs) and I always hear hits in the, and I know something's a big hit because it's always playing when I get in a cab. And so I've heard a lot of these songs in cabs. And then also a lot of my younger friends like to try to get me to listen to Drake and tell me that it's good. And there are enjoyable moments to me, but there was no particular identity for me to hang on to in this. In fact, he does the song, Controller, is that correct? Yes. Controller, controller. We're getting the real grandpa area now. I thought that was fucking Sean Paul. I was like, that's Drake, what the fuck, you know? I'm not saying there's no value to it. I'm saying is that I have no interest in the cultural zeitgeist of Drake. I didn't think there was a lot to hold on to. I felt like whatever the, the sound, meaning the music, not the lyrics, or even the singing hooks, is made to sound like whatever is coming out of the cabs that year. It is labored to be very contemporary. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm saying is that the goal of the music part seems to be sound like whatever is selling records and whatever is a cool sound. But
0: that's because Drake is selling records. So you're hearing the effect and and not the cause. So yeah, you're right, but that sound of a given year... That is Drake, that is not Drake responding to something. It is that he is setting that, and I'll, I'll go a step further, which is to say that I think regardless of the cultural zeitgeist of which you want no part of, he has an incredible ear for vocal, melodic hooks. These songs are earworms for a reason. The first time I heard Hotline Bling, it was in my head for weeks. There was, it was not about, do I like this or do I not like it? It was an abject success as a pop song because the hook immediately grabbed me and I couldn't let go of it. He has tons of songs like that where there are these moments of little vocal hooks and I won't even know the song necessarily or the name of the song or what album it's on, but it'll be in my head and I'll eventually have to Google. What the fuck is the song where he says, I can't blame you now. Oh, okay, it's Passion Fruit. Now I know that that, because that, from the moment I hear it, That sticks with me. And I think there's a real talent to that. And that's when you get into why is a hit a hit? That's why it's a hit.
1: That song, particularly Hotline Bling, that would be the closest thing to like a hit that I like, I would say. But I mean, he is obviously like pinpointed, and the producers he works with, whatever his team is, have like pinpointed what is the most like absolutely contemporary sound and what is today's version of the hook. Is yeah, I mean, if you're writing the hits, then that's in your hands and like hotline bling is very catchy. The one where the one where he has a lot of enemies, that's an earworm. Probably the worst offender is the uh started from the bottom when we hear and if the bottom means making more money than I'll ever make in my life when you're fifteen or sixteen years old, then he started from the bottom. Fine. let let's
0: move let's move into the, the legitimacy of it then because I will certainly go to bet for Drake in terms of his music as as pop hits. Um, but even amongst his peers, this is often the sore spot. This is often the debate that's had. Even amongst other hip-hop artists, it's this idea that he is, to some degree, an interloper. And start from the bottom now, here's the perfect example of that. It's something that everyone can look to. And I think this is why you have him becoming a target.
1: Someone told me that start from the bottom we're here we is actually a reference to his sports team that he likes. Is that uh, true the, or not? The, the Raptors. The raptors
2: it, it is partially true, yes. Wouldn't that be proof of
1: the vacancy of, <laughs> <What, laughs> of this what, what do you mean? I, and I want to let you go, Zinger, because you know more about this than me. Also, you're a scholar of hip-hop in a way that I am not. I love hip-hop, but I could lose all of it after we were in high school, I, for the most part, with a few exceptions. I I have become the old person very quickly in this this conversation of hip-hop. However, okay, so Rags to Riches is not just a cliche of hip-hop. It is part of the story. The hip-hop that I love is from people who essentially started out using hip-hop as a device to bring themselves up in the world. And that's why this is a cliche, is that... You know, Run DMC, like the core of it, these were teenagers who found a voice and then a way out and a way up to the point where Slick Rick's whole thing is about conspicuous consumption. It's like, here's a teenager, why does he have a Rolex, right? And there's a certain element of that, right? Now, Drake is a child actor. He probably made more money when he was 15 or 16 than we'll ever make in our life. Him using the cliche is inherently sticks at me because I think it's in an incorrect appropriation of the thing that I like about hip-hop music. Am I way off base? Is that fucked up?
0: There's definitely large segments of the current hip-hop artists who feel like Drake doesn't quite belong in the in the highest theme. That yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Drake is kind of a representation of our age or the age we live in or, or how hip-hop has evolved. Like, the rags to riches thing is, is kind of a problem. I don't think that that's the founding... Myth of hip hop is rags to riches. It's not like Drake doesn't deserve to be listened to in, uh, uh, closely or respected just because he maybe wasn't necessarily poor. Um, and I and I do think he was. I think you know he grew up with a single mother in Toronto or around Toronto. I don't know the full right. Biography. sort of an yeah.
1: absent father. Yeah, right. something like that. His father. His father actually, was a musician, and his his he has two uncles. I just learned this. Larry Graham mm-hmm. from Sly and the Family yes. Stone, and then Teeny Hodges, who plays guitar in every Al Green hit. Yes, two brilliant musicians. Yes. So he was in. He has family in the music industry. Well, aside from yeah. being a child actor, <laughs> no, 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 he clearly has like music in his genes. You know what I mean? Like you look at it, like, you say you one thing, it. I say yeah, the same yeah. thing. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: <for laughs> I think we. I think we've seen time and time again that regardless of any of that, if you have a successful career in entertainment as a child you can decide to make that next jump. Every member of the Mickey mouse club going on to become either a famous actor or musician is, uh, sure. is a, is a, is proof yeah. enough but that it, if there, if there were any doors open to him previously, it's the fact that he was a popular child.
2: Sure. After. And then he came out with six albums and, uh, fucking 186 hits later and he clearly is not like a one-hit wonder. Like He's, got, he's he got a body of work. He's done... Also, like, and this is to John's earlier point, he... While you think he follows the trends, I do agree. I do think he kind of... St- Tends to set the trends. To to really argue your point uh, about like the oh he doesn't have authenticity. Authenticity is a little bit of a fallacy. Like we 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 tend to decide what is authentic, what isn't, based on a million different sets of criteria. You know the Strokes to you are authentic, but like those are rich kids. I never said that they were. Okay, do you like the Strokes? Yeah. Do you
1: like the Strokes? I do. Okay. And those are rich kids. Yeah, but they didn't say that they started from the bottom and they're here. They didn't. That's what I'm saying. And they're not hip hop. (laughs) They're They're
2: not a hip hop group. And like, yes, he became a child actor. He. I don't necessarily think that that's like a big slight against him. Again, he went into hip hop. I think if you listen to the mixtape, clearly because he's actually talented. And I think throughout that, people criticize him very easily. He has very like nasal delivery. He whines a lot. If we get into the lyrics, he's basically like
0: a hip hop Morrissey. And I (laughs) hate. i hate morrissey but whatever some of the early records especially take care yeah i I, morrissey's a pretty good comparison when i listen to that stuff to me it feels like it has more in common with emo music than it does hip-hop yes and that is that is uh, by one turn quite an original and interesting thing that this huge multi-platinum artist in hip-hop in the aughts is making music about, like, kind of being sad alone by himself. Emo rap is now a thing. Right. And you could say that, you know,
2: Drake helped popularize it, at least to some degree, popularize the idea that you could be vulnerable
0: and be a rapper. There's a lot of that, especially in the early stuff, about... His
1: sadness. Oh, and he's depressing. just
2: like drunk texting people. That's right. he's drunk calling and drunk texting people, and that's like literally his first like two records. I have and a me- huge
1: fucking issue with this, by <laughs> the way.
2: Jamie has never I drunk have, texted anyone? No, no, it? I
1: have a I have a huge fucking issue with what you just said. Okay. Which is maybe authenticity and realness is a fallacy. And maybe it doesn't really matter if you're like from, you know, poverty to make a a good rap or if you were involved in crime. But the, the rap I love is like people like Ghostface Killa, you know, people like Jay-Z, like early Jay-Z when he was very good or Biggie or something like that. This is the rap that I love. I'm saying that's a personal choice. And there's definitely a gener- – this is where I'm being the grandpa. Dude. But the idea that he's uh, – oh, what a, what a brilliant idea Vulnerable vulnerable rappers. Like can you think of anything more vulnerable than uh, Biggie's Suicidal Thoughts or really any Ghostface Killer record, these guys are vulnerable too, without being cute. There's a difference here because this is a generational difference. Those guys come from hip hop as a code and a life, I think.
2: D- strongly disagree. I mean, like, I think they come from a different background. Biggie grew up fairly sheltered and pampered, but he happened to like live in a terrible neighborhood. And ultimately, these are very like talented people, though, uh, who are making talented music. And we see them- and vulnerable, talented and vulnerable, sometimes. And brave, sometimes, thanks. But you-, you talk about like, oh, how they grew up, or like, there's some code. Like, well, we- first of all, we're we're three white guys. Like, we can't really talk about like hip hop. Yeah, we don't what.
1: decide what hip hop is, and, no, and we don't
2: decide what hip hop code is, and we don't decide the authenticity of like criminal life,
1: the you know. boundary. That you're saying like to me it's like for all this boundary pushing of drake and what he did with the genre and stuff is complaining about your girlfriend and i think the emo thing is really dead on and i think that this is a real difference in what you can get away with now versus how the genre changed because i understand that younger people are than me who grew up with Drake do not give a fuck about anything i just said in terms of like <laughs> authentic hip hop persona which is just something i personally love because you think because i love these new york because guys because you think it's authentic not because it isn't necessarily authentic i'm saying because it because it hits me in a gut level the idea <laughs> that the groundbreaking concept in hip hop lyrics is a guy who is famous is rich gets laid all the time complaining about the women in his life and harping on it to the point where I'm like, do you have anything else to talk about? That is not a revelation to me. And all, I love love songs. Romance in music is the best part of music. Motown is all about romance. The Beach Boys, Phil Spector, The Great American Songbook, Gershwin, these are all songs that deal with the human experience of love, romance, heartache, feeling alone, feeling disconnected from someone, feeling connected to someone, all this stuff. This is the beauty of music. This is what makes music great. Drake's angle to me is like straight up like, you're a fucking prick. Nothing about that makes me like him as a protagonist at all.
0: I'd like to take a little bit of the middle road here, which is, I like a lot of Drake songs, but I, I do think in terms of the lyrics... There's not a lot of range. It basically can be divided into two camps. Music about how upsetting it is to him that the women in his life don't behave in the way that he wishes they would. Whether it's texting or calling him or not doing those things. And then there is the other half of his material, which typically is about how he's upset. That he's not getting... Respect he deserves from his peers, from
1: Jamie Fry, yeah,
0: and from Jamie. And from, it mostly revolves around these two. And topics.
1: from Ghostface Killer, actually, this is something I've been like waiting to bring up. Here's the first time I ever knew who Drake was. Ghostface Killer's top ten softest rappers of the year. Do you guys remember this? That wasn't yes. a real Ghostface. I know, but it was. It was <laughs> an yeah, internet phenomenon.
2: It was a blog, yeah, yeah. which made it's me laugh very still, much. Uh,
1: it, it's still around. But but it I love that. Really I didn't even know who Drake was at the time. You know who I thought Drake was? I had misinformation I had seen Degrassi and I knew Jimmy from Degrassi but I thought that Drake was Drake from the adventures of Drake and Josh <laughs> for years it's, a Disney, it's show. a Disney show that my sister watched I will, that's I, who I thought
2: it was for years okay I, I will say this one other thing that is an issue especially with the 10 softest rappers like first of all like I, I think to some degree Drake loves that shit because like he understands that people don't respect him the same way they might respect quote-unquote hard rapper or whatever it is you want to call him i think one issue with that is you have to consider that like demographics for drake are different more women listen to drake than like listen to like ghostface like even if you're not like a fucking criminal you're just like a rapper but you're like painting this narrative or this story whatever maybe like people don't always want to hear all that shit so they just want to hear a rapper who is complaining about you know girls who don't like
1: him, Zinger, what's I'm not, wrong with I'm that? I'm not sold. I think here's the generational difference between rappers who are 10 or 20 years older than Drake versus Drake now. Now, I think that a lot of the rappers I love are overtly misogynist. I love NWA and I love Ice Cube. To me, Drake is an equal misogynist to those guys. It's not that he
0: is incredibly aggressive. His game is about how injured he is, in fact, how hurt he has been.
1: He's a guy who wants to yeah. seem really woke and really sensitive. When I, I think I, I, that,
2: I, I don't think so. I think he is egomaniacal. I think that's part of his. You don't story, think he's but, trying to be woke? Uh, I mean, no, nah, 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 nah.
0: nah, only in as much as you're trying to be woke, Jamie. <laughs>
1: Me and Drake are gonna have a woke off.
0: Oh <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I, I want to go back. I think the ideas about authenticity are interesting and confusing. I don't agree. That there's any prerequisite in hip hop, whether it's themes of violence or crime or or rags to riches, I don't kn- I don't think that any of that applies. And uh, for me as a listener, that, that I, I don't need that. There's lots of hip hop I love that has nothing to do with any of that. Whether it's some of the stuff we grew up on that was you know uh, quote unquote backpack hip hop, things like the Roots or Talib Kweli or most stuff, or even stuff out now that doesn't really have anything to do with that. Whether it's like you know. Uh, Rhapsody or like even someone like Kendrick Lamar who like there's certainly elements of that but that's not really the point but I think when we're talking about authenticity it'll help to not go so far off track if we judge things apples to apples I was thinking about the Drake song energy as Part of a long line of hip-hop songs. They're these songs that list problems, and they list issues. There's a million old-school tracks like that. Like a
1: jungle sometimes. Sometimes I want to keep from going under. Tribe
0: Called Quest have great songs like that. Um, I think it's 8 Million Stories that is, is like that.
1: 99 Problems. And
0: then I thought of 99 Problems. Exactly. So let's compare these two. I'm thinking about 99 Problems, and it's like, what are the problems that are being dealt with. You have a, a beautiful, iconic video shot in the Marcy Projects depicting all of those things. The song itself, it covers uh, racial profiling, police harassment, right down to just more interpersonal issues. Music industry. It's a pretty wide range. Each verse takes on different things. And, then I was, and I'm listening to energy, and yet again, all of energy is basically boiled down to... Women who aren't behaving the way Drake wants, and that he can't get the respect he deserves from his peers. And look, there is a market for that. People enjoy that. And of course, I think as long as there are teenagers, there are gonna be people who want to hear songs about, I'm mad at my ex, I was drunk texting someone, or whatever the, the time period's technology will be. There's always gonna be songs like that. There's always, it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. There always have been plenty of songs in this, in this lineage. It doesn't have to be high-minded. I think most fans of Drake's music wouldn't say it's high-minded at all. It's relatable to simple, universal ideas that I'm heartbroken, I'm pissed off at someone. It's rather simple music, and I think it's incredibly effective when it shoots for that. Now, that's in comparing it to pop music or emo music, as I've said, or things like that. If you compare it to the greater, more conceptual loftier ambitions of some of the absolute greats of hip-hop, sure, it doesn't stack up. But I would argue that Drake is a hip-hop artist second to being a wildly successful pop artist. Some of his biggest hits don't have a trace of hip-hop at all. Passion Fruit, Hotline Bling. Hold on, we're going home. Right. These are songs that could have been done by other pop acts with no ties to hip-hop music at all. He lives these two different lives, and that's interesting in and of itself. It's unique in and of itself. I don't know how many Drake fans would even say, "Oh yeah, no, he's a better pure MC than Nas."
2: But you're never going to see him on necessarily a list. Or I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily make the case for like greatest his
0: audience of does all not time. care.
1: They don't care about that.
0: But also, Zinger and I are the audience too, so we don't yeah. have to talk about this in terms of some imaginary listener. Both you and I are listeners as well. Yeah. we can wear different hats. We can say we want to hear. I want to hear. You know. I'm going to listen to Pimp a Butterfly front to back today. Or I can say, oh, you know, I haven't heard Passion Fruit in a yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear One Dance. What's, what's that? What's sometimes that? I put on... Sometimes I want to hear California Girls by Katy Perry. Yeah. You know? Well, and yeah. sometimes I want to hear Passion Fruit. I, I, can't, I can think of very few people who you could consider a rapper or hip-hop artist who at least half of their hits have not one moment where they rap.
2: I mean, fucking Kanye still has to rap sometimes, yeah.
1: Unfortunately. Like, well... <laughs> Yeah, I I guess that's that's true. uh...
0: I guess that's true when you have something like 808s and Heartbreaks.
2: I listened to 808s and Heartbreaks the other day. It it, doesn't hold up.
0: No. It is kind of like a, a beginning of that, of like, oh, we thought Kanye was a rapper and or a producer. Now he has these records that were like, There's a lot of singing on them or auto tune singing, but Drake is like much more extreme in that like Drake is straight up making like R and B. Yeah, you can hear his song. I mean, to the degree you mentioned the 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 timbre of his voice as well. There are songs when he raps where he sounds like an absolutely different human being than when he sings. He's never putting something out where I'm like, holy shit, I need to hear
2: Drake's verse on this. And that's wildly different than like even like ten years ago or something like that when somebody else like you know Lil Wayne Carter 3 came out. You're listening to it because you're like I want to hear his verse on this. I want to hear his word play. I want to hear what he's going to do. And Drake is far beyond that. He's a different type of artist. We do have to judge him differently because of that. He may not fit into the space of how we imagine hip hop. He went from being like uh, hip-hop artist that was like doing regular you know standard mixtapes the way that you would imagine them to to starting to like create almost like a brand for himself is what drake is which is like a little bit emo to like by 2014 2015 just like straight up like trying to go pop mm-hmm. and you know and i think that was a huge risk he could have like fallen
0: flat on his face and we would have forgotten about drake i think you're hitting on something jamie mentioned before and i think jamie when you were talking about your issues with it i think that there is a lot of redeeming stuff in terms of the music itself I think the production is great I think OVO40 is a really talented producer I don't think it's that they lack for quality I think what you're hearing is that there is not a cohesive identity and I think Drake lives all these different characters whether it's a sort of very quiet introspective depressed dude and then you listen to something like energy. Is he a tough guy? Yeah. If you're listening to Nice For What, is he woke? Is he like, is he doing women's empowerment? Anthem? And not to say that you can't do these different things, but to, an, to someone who is maybe a casual listener, you could hear that and go, is he a jack of all trades but master of none?
1: I don't like when things are just one genre. All the people I really like, like a lot of different kinds of music. When I make a record, I try and make a lot of different influences on it if you are passionate about music, you should like a lot of music. When I say there's nothing for me to hold on to, it's like, here's some rapping. I don't think it's good rapping. I don't think he's a good MC. It's a generational difference, but like I grew up loving Jay-Z. Now there's no Jay-Z song that doesn't make me laugh. They all make me, he's always funny. Even when he's being really intense and like beating something to death, whatever the topic might be, he always stops and winks and gives you a joke or something to like lighten the mood. Drake, He he does. There's no nuance to it. There's no good singing on this. I don't really like this is me feeling old and being old, like to my ears. It's like I get what this music is. And like, you know, if I was in a club and I wanted to dance, like I would probably dance to Hotline Bling and uh, maybe even something I hate like Controller or, you know, it's something I think is you bad. You've mentioned
2: it twice so far. Uh, no.
1: Well, I just really couldn't believe that was him. I just thought it was, like, audacious that that was Isn't his that song. crazy, though?
2: Isn't that crazy that you hear that song, and you're like, that can't be fucking Drake. That's the thing about Drake. You're like, how could that be? How's that big hit this summer, Drake? Why is it every fucking summer? Hey,
0: that's the, the guy who did Marvin's Room Or Hold On, We're Going oh, Home? The fuck it is it? It's like insane. when Ed
1: Sheeran did The, the Shape of You, I could not believe it was him. I was like, what? This is such a fucking stretch. Anyway, on a fickle level, I can understand that, like, I might like to get lit and dance to this music or rather, <laughs> or rather I would be okay with it because I don't, I'm not like a full on like fuddy duddy. Like I'm not a full on potty party pooper. Like, like I can, no put on joy division. Like I'm not saying, yeah, I'm not saying like we must listen to Leonard Cohen instead of Drake <laughs> at a party. <laughs> no, some music comes out and I like it because it sounds like other music. I like, like we were talking about agent Olson before she sounds like Roe and I love Roe Orbison. It's really easy for me to like that. Uh, Drake doesn't sound like any of the rap that I like and it doesn't, have the melodic qualities that would make me like a song by Katy Perry or even Beyonce or something like that. And I don't really like of those people that much. Uh, but that's a different episode. But there's this other kind of music that younger people than me, plus you guys, like. Uh, <laughs> and then it's, some, you, know, you know the hip
2: hop group from the 80s? No, I'm younger sorry. people,
1: plus two. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> let me rephrase that. There's this music that almost everyone other than me likes which is this kind of mutant pop where they're taking some elements from hip-hop some elements from like edm or club music like trap music and stuff like that i think that some of these dance music genres that i don't fucking know anything about like drum bass and trap like some elements end up on top 40 music and i don't know anything they're not familiar to me these elements so it's like a lot of things come together to make this sort of grading genre of pop where the only thing to i have to hang on to is that it's contemporary and it doesn't remind me of old music that i like so i am lost like like i'm legitimately lost on like what is the thing that makes this good other than maybe if i had a few drinks i would like bump and grind to this but look
0: the other side of the coin of exactly what you said you've proved the point of what's good about it it doesn't work in any sort of throwback way, it doesn't call back to some other era. It's not just an update or a new version of a 90s rap thing or an 80s rap thing. It's not Angel Olsen doing Roy Orbison. It is wholly different, and if, it, if and when it does pull from anything, it pulls from other things that are exclusively contemporary as well. So it's what you find leaving you without something to hold on to is that it's forward-looking. It's not backwards-looking. If you look at maybe his features or things like that, He's on Amigos' track. Amigos are making trap music. Drake isn't, but he is making other kinds of incredibly contemporary music. And so now he's on a track like that with other people who, again, it, it are. This is the sound of now. And I, don't I barely think,
1: know what trap music is to be think, honest. I don't think it's that.
0: <laughs> I going back to what he said. I don't think it's that he is chasing a trend. I think it is that he is making the trend, and you're hearing it. And you're associating it in a different way. You can point to any of the past five or six years, and there's a massive Drake hit or at least a massive hit that he's featured on. And that's the sound of the year, like it or not. That is what, you know, nice for what is a big, big part of what 2018 sounded like. Work by Rihanna is a big, big part of 2016. They're massive hits for a reason and they become emblematic and they become emblematic quickly, which is interesting and exciting. It doesn't take 10 or 15 years on to look back at Drake and say, he really encapsulated a moment. Even when you're not hearing Drake, when you're hearing Post Malone, you're hearing Drake. It's amazing that (laughs) there is music already coming out now that is heavily influenced by this artist's music that came out only a year or two before the new thing.
1: I mean, this is a great thing for the Instagram generation, which is something that you experience once. Oh, that boy. is so contemporary that it really—I mean, we won't really know because again, we usually talk about He's old the same artists. Same age as us. I understand. Yeah, but I his fans. How are do them. I feel about people our age? Like, really? <laughs> yeah, like, that's a good you point. know? All right, all right. Hold on. I, I, I will say one <laughs> thing.
2: Sometimes we have a problem of looking at something and we're like, immediately we're like, we need to relate to it. I need it to be relatable to me. I need it to be nostalgic. I need it to call back to something kind of like what you were saying. If I'm hearing it and it's not relatable, then I refuse to care about it. It's just, if if Drake is making hip hop and it doesn't sound like anything I can relate to, his narratives don't like, uh, don't sound like any of the narratives that I'm used to in hip hop. Therefore this, art is invalid, it, of course I would argue that, I, I don't know how, how much of hip hop could really be relatable to us sometimes as just like a bunch of white dudes, but you could at least say like, oh, this music is not something that I, I find interesting, but I do understand that other people do whether you know it doesn't have to be you don't have to qualify it as negative as like oh they like it because it's the instagram uh, generation or it's late capitalism or there's something there's something rotting with our with this generation that they like drake no you don't get it and that's fine
0: and then we'll die and there'll be some other <laughs> new music and it'll be fine you know and i want to speak to jamie's point about the self-seriousness of drake we're joking and jamie has said he's the grandpa somebody who is very much a popular hip-hop musician right now, Pusha T, has taken that exact same stance. That there is a problem with Drake's authenticity, not even necessarily because of anything involving crime or drugs or any of these things. That Pusha T was intimately familiar with, but it's that self-seriousness. When you talk about what goes on with Pusha T making infrared and sort of taking issue with the possibility that drake is using ghostwriters with the possibility that drake is simply not at the caliber that people claim he's at that sparks an interesting conversation because these are two people whose opinions are completely valid they are two current hip-hop artists having this conversation in real time through their music and then you have drake reply yeah. with uh duppy freestyle yeah and then you have Pusha t once again come back with the uh, the story of Adnan going into more kind of tabloid fodder of the fact that drake has this child pusha t is digging up all this dirt for minutes on end and it's riveting listen to the first thing you're going oh my (laughs) god i can't believe this is going so deep and dark the best part maybe which is what you made me think of jamie is the very end pusha t effectively finishes the verses are over and he comes back for an ad lib after all this stuff and he goes you talking about you upset and he starts laughing and it's so great because in that moment it's like oh my god maybe the cardinal sin of all this is that drake takes himself
1: so seriously i would like him more if he was funny absolutely i think the dark humor is the best part of hip-hop the guys who are really good at it i think you know jay-z nas and biggie and public enemy had flava flave chuck d is too serious but then Flava Flav shows up on the record, and these are actual darker personalities. And I, I have to imagine. So is that
2: does that mean Dre can't make good music because he's a dark person? Do you have a dark personality?
1: I mean, I got light and dark side to me. You know, okay. I'm a complex man. Sure. I don't think that would. I mean, like, there's no. I have no proof that Drake is a complex man. If I, let's say I sit down at a bar and I start talking to someone, we're the exact same age. So if he wasn't a billionaire and I wasn't a scrub, it's like very possible <laughs> that we would be in the same place doing the same thing. Since we're you the same Drake? age. Let's say I sat down with a bar next to a guy who kind of like everything was going well for this person and they could ostensibly have any woman they want and listen to him complain about his life, I would be like, in a serious way without making me laugh at all, I would be like, I want to talk to a different person. Can I talk to a different person? Do I have to talk to this fucking guy? I don't want to talk to Drake, but I want to hear his new song. But would you have a beer with him, like George w. Oh. <laughs> I will say can I can I give you
2: some some music industry insight? Please. Uh Drake does have a ghostwriter. Really? And it's Ghostface. <laughs>
1: no, I'm kidding. Twist. <laughs> <laughs> Drake's ghostwriter is actually Connor Oberst. Oh God
2: yeah i know probably yeah again we we get into those pitfalls of like well they're not these people so right you know and they don't do this and this and it's like well he's on his own level and clearly he's found success doing it he's not like some new kid with one mixed tape out like he's clearly found yes as a capitalist he's fantastic
1: he's oh wonderful boy. at making it's not,
2: money who else is not a capitalist jamie I'm not are you saying not, that, not a capitalist? Not, I no, no, j- capitalist i love mean, jamie all,
1: we all like money capitalist jamie is my favorite jamie i'm just saying is that like also, in Toronto, they're not considered capitalists. I'm just saying, he is Canadian. I mean, I think one, the one thing that I excuse him for is that he's Canadian. I love Canadians, but, but I would say that if I had to oh characterize God. Canadians, they're too nice right, to be rappers. Great. Anyway. Wow. Can we talk about something anyway. real for a second?
2: I know we've been talking about Drake for all. I just want to talk about something very real and very close to both of our hearts, Jamie. And it's the fact that Aubrey Graham Plaza Drake. Is Yeah. <laughs> He's an Ashkenaz Jew, at least half. And he had he a bar mitzvah. A bar- is that He had a fucking bar mitzvah. <laughs> Hell yeah, <you> fucking right. <laughs> that's the Hold that's on. the one thing I like about him. Hold on, I will you say, Jamie. It. Jamie, how can you hate on Drake when he is ostensibly the greatest pop star of our time? That is a Jew. To me, that is the ultimate beauty of this. It it is the idea that in thirty years, a woman will say to her son. What are you doing with this med school? Why don't you become a famous rapper?
0: (laughs) Like your cousin Drake. (laughs) Like your cousin Drake. Like your
1: uncle at that point. If Drake is actually a Jew, why couldn't he make me laugh one time? (laughs) Wow. This show is called What is GOAT? It's not who makes the most money, it's not who's most prevalent this fucking second, it's who is in the canon. There are a lot of great arguments as to, like, what, you know, why Jake, Jake. Jeez Jake Z. There's, <laughs> That's a, hold on. <laughs> Jay, <laughs> it's Jay-Z's Jewish you guys, cousin, you, Jake. You guys have made a lot of great arguments as to why Drake is successful, why other people like him, why he makes a lot of money, why he's a contemporary, ubiquitous artist. But there's no sell to me that he's GOAT. There just is none. But
0: Let's go back for a second. Let's not pretend like things like selling records has nothing to do with this. It has everything to do with it. Nirvana sold tons of records. Queen sold tons of records. And Drake is in these conversations. Your reach is a big part of your legacy. The amount of hits you have is not about the money you take home. It's about the reach and about the impact on the musical landscape, about the impact on radio and the songs that people hold dear and maybe pass on to the next generation we aren't having conversations about artists who don't sell millions of records it's that simple is that good or bad i don't know but let's not
1: pretend it's not integral well he made it to the conversation he made it to the question what is sure you
0: guys aren't going to be having a podcast episode about daniel johnston These are different barometers. Yeah. Some people can live in obscurity, but they live as
1: legends. Right? They cult. have yes, right, cult he, figures. Yes, Drake is not a cult person. He is a mainstream juggernaut of of music drake has a lot of hits but none of them bring me any joy it's like maria condo it's like if it doesn't bring you any joy <laughs> wow. it. i would toss his whole catalog <laughs> let's see let's see in 55 years and then we'll be very old but i'm sure we'll be still arguing about music <laughs> i'll how be whenever... doing it at a diner though at the senior center and playing senior canasta center, yeah. uh so we can basically check in for the rest of our lives <laughs> and see how hotline bling Stands up against always be my baby or do I love you? And I think that I'm gonna fucking win. I'm sorry.
2: That's not, that's again, that's really not apples apples. I understand if we're comparing like the artistry and like the how long someone will exist and influence other artists. Um, Drake obviously hasn't been around for too long, but he clearly has influenced a lot of
1: artists. He's just influenced artists that you don't like. Nothing I like, (laughs) nothing I like, right? In fact, I would even go so far as to say is that the paradigm of Drake's mutant pop of where it's sometimes you take some elements of, let's call it vocal pop as a very baseline thing. Vocal pop, hip hop, and EDM is pushing artists that I might have liked otherwise to make music that sounds like nothing to me. <laughs> there is a disparity in 99% of the songs on the radio oh <laughs> sounded like Drake. Where is the 1% of the songs that don't sound like Drake?
0: <laughs> well, I thank you for listening to the prequel episode of our coming-of-age drama, Where three old men meet up at age 83 to find out if Drake has longevity.
1: Yeah. So is Drake Goat? We'll find out in 50 years. Tune in again
0: as we (laughs) flash forward to the (laughs) the truly elderly versions of ourselves discussing this. We'll see you at the old folks home. Uh, Zinger, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. So we're introducing a new segment here now on uh, what is Goat. We're calling this third party goats, third party goats. We have so many conversations here about people that are held in very, very high esteem. Whether you love them or you hate them, they are the standard bearers. So for this segment, we wanted to make people aware of bands that we personally think are amazing. Albums we think are really fantastic, but most listeners probably don't know about. And maybe some know about them, but haven't really given them the attention that we think should be given to them. They might be legacy bands that aren't as popular as some of the, uh, bands you might hear on say classic rock radio or oldies radio. They might be new young bands that haven't broken yet, uh, or anything in between. Today's our first segment on this and we're going to have Jamie talk about a record that he loves.
1: All right. For my third party goat, I want to talk about a record and a group that is popular. I think with the baby boomers to some degree that I don't believe anyone our age listens to. Um, this is a group called the Roaches, three Irish girls from New Jersey, sisters, Maggie, Terry, and Susie Roach. They first recorded with Paul Simon, I believe, on the There Goes Ryman Rhyme and Simon album. And they were a New York City group, kind of in the folk, uh, like the Bleecker Street folk scene. I think the only thing I knew about them was that they're tangentially related to the Wayne Wrights and that they do a Christmas record that my friend's mother likes. So, when I heard the self-titled Roaches, produced by Adrian Ballou in 1980, I did not think uh, that this was something that I would get into. Uh, the song that's the second track on the record, the Hammond song, might be the best harmony singing I've ever heard in my life. The lyric is also incredible, and it contains an extremely weird guitar solo by Adrian Ballou. In fact, when I heard the song, not knowing it was the Roaches, I thought it was a contemporary group maybe something like the Arcade Fire or something in that area, because it's um, a very, very weird piece of pop music. The rest of the record is slightly more folky, but I don't know, there's something about lyricists from New York and New Jersey, from the tri-state area, they have this kind of frank bite, and even if they sing in this sort of uh, a sweet way, there's a real bite and a real closeness to the lyrics, and the harmonies are so complex, I would put them in the category of the Beach Boys or the Bee Gees, and they might actually be better singers. And there's something also about a family band and siblings singing together that makes both those groups so great, that is so apparent in the vocal dynamic of the group. And the three sisters often all sing lead in different bits of the song, which is something you don't hear too often. Uh, If you like harmony singing at all, you (laughs) must listen to the Roaches. They are... Third party GOAT candidate.
0: Thank you for listening to What is GOAT? I'm John Sever Napolillo.
1: I'm Jamie Fry.